Welcome back to another edition of the Edge Podcast. Publisher Brendan Slaughter and recruiting analyst Jared Hallis here for BeaversEdge.com. We're back with another edition of the Edge Podcast. Thanks to everyone for sticking with us and tuning into this edition of the podcast. As I mentioned, welcoming in BeaversEdge.com recruiting analyst Jared Hallis. Jared, we got a lot to get into in this podcast, breaking down Oregon State's loss to Colorado, the big defensive coordinator change, the news that Jonathan Smith sent out Sunday night, and then obviously the game coming up against Stanford on Saturday with the six wins still possible. Jared, how are you, and uh, how are things going, my man? I'm good. Yeah, it's been a been an eventful week uh, on the on the Oregon State front, so lot to lot to unhash here. Uh, hopefully, it'll be a good one. Without question. And, you know, we're not going to dive too deep into the Colorado game because, well, we already have it, BeaversEdge.com. And I'm sure y'all are uh, be tired of hearing about that game as Oregon State unfortunately falls to Colorado uh, in double overtime last weekend. Jared, just what were your initial thoughts from that contest? Well, uh, <clears throat> I was definitely wrong. And, um, you know, Colorado deserves a tip of the cap. Um I think they played better than really anybody probably anticipated they would and uh, really, really showed. And uh, again, their fans were out and they were, they were loud. And, you know, one thing we talked about a lot in last week's podcast was just the fact that yes, the defense has to improve, but the offense does as well and really just needs to be more uh, multifaceted. And, you know, they put 34 points up and still weren't able to pull it out. So um, I think that led to a lot of the newsy stuff that we saw throughout the week. And yeah, it was a, it was an interesting game. Yeah. I mean, just going into this game, Jared, we talked about it last week and, you know, kind of stated pretty, pretty bluntly, you know, we, we put out the question last week. We said, is Oregon state's defense holding back the rebuild? I think we can safely say, we know the answer to that question now, Jared. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I mean, it, it sucks to say, you know, you don't want to have to to do stuff like that. And I think a lot of people, you know, and even I think we've said it before on the podcast, just that it was uh, it's it's there's a lot of stability with the staff. Um, unfortunately, some things just didn't go the way of the Beavers so far this year that resulted in changes that needed to be made. And here we are. Um, and yeah, that that game definitely was one that kind of opened a lot of eyes to see that all right, really, definitely is time to to make that happen. And obviously, the change that we're alluding to is uh, on Sunday night. Head coach Jonathan Smith announced that uh, defensive coordinator Tim Tibisar would be relieved of his duties and interim uh, defensive coordinator Trent Bray would be elevated to that position. He moves up uh, from the inside linebackers coach position and uh, Kendrick Van Ockeren will also get a uh, promotion as well. We talked last week, as we just mentioned, about the defense, and I think it was just the combination of the two Jared, that ultimately led to this decision. You know, Jonathan Smith talked on Monday and said this was a decision that came to be after evaluating, you know, where they were in relation to where they need to go. And we talked about it. You know, you maybe could have explained away the Cal loss if you had bounced back and, you know, drubbed Colorado or, you know, vice versa. Maybe you'd beaten Cal and then, you know, drop the one against Colorado. But losing both games and then allowing two teams who at times, but particularly more so Colorado, have been offensively inept to let them score 39 and 37 points respectively in back-to-back weeks. Jared, the decision, like, it it explains itself when we break it down that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, 
there's definitely just some things that we saw the last couple of weeks, like you mentioned, that just really kind of brought it to light. You know, we we talked about everybody kind of being at fault uh, a couple of weeks ago. And then, you know, like you said, there's two really inferior offenses that come in and just put up big numbers. Uh, something's got to change. And people have been calling for it for a while. Um, obviously, with three games left, uh, there may not be too big of a substantial difference that you can see on the defense. Uh, but, you know, maybe there will be. I've seen – heck, I mean, you look look at TCU and their situation with Gary Patterson. That guy coached there forever. Uh, and then they come out and, and be uh, a really good opponent the week the week after he's gone. So you really never know what can happen. I mean, obviously, what, what you'd love to see come out of this is the Oregon State defense just look like a, a new squad and look, you know, refueled and remotivated for these last three games. Um, and certainly they'll need to be – uh, to finish the season the way that it should have gone all along. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what what does happen because it can go either way, I think. Certainly. And I think you hit on a lot of good points there. And and the, the one that kind of sticks out to me uh, once this news happened was I had a couple of thoughts. The first that came to mind was you can insert whatever analogy you like here, but for the sake of this podcast, I'm going to say Jonathan Smith has guts because <laughs> – you know, you go back and look at historically, whether it had been Gary Anderson, whether it had been Mike Riley, Oregon State had not had a history or really any kind of a, a, a blueprint or like they, they haven't previously fired coordinators midseason. That's something that's very out of character for Oregon State and what they've done in the past. You know, sure, they've had, you know, coaches move in and out of roles in the offseason, but midseason, that's something that's kind of out of territory. And I think you know, going back to what you were saying about the fans, Jared, I think that's something that Jonathan Smith was kind of able to kill two birds with one stone in the sense of, hey, I can give my fan base something to kind of rally behind, as messed up as that is to kind of say in the wake of a firing, maybe because that's what the fans were wanting, and at the same token, maybe give my defense the spark that it needs. You know, the first one, perhaps a bit more speculatory on my part, but the second fact Jonathan Smith did say he's hoping to give his defense a spark and the reception that we've seen from just about everyone I have not seen one person at beaversedge.com come and say this was a mistake Tibisar needed to stay and I think that speaks volumes to kind of the fan base having a little bit of a say am, am I on base here or do you think that's a little bit too much yeah no I think I think so and you know sometimes Sometimes fans can see things, you know, developing before other people can. Um, you know, sometimes it can be a lucky guess. But in this case, you know, again, they, there was a lot of people that kind of predicted, not necessarily predicted, but were calling for it for a long time. And we were kind of like, okay, pump the brakes. We need to see a little bit more before we, you know, hop on that train. Um, but as we mentioned earlier, I think the last two games kind of gave everybody what they needed to, to realize that, it was the time, and, and to your point, yes, it was great to see uh, Jonathan Smith just showing that uh, he's not he's not in this business to to be average, to be mediocre, um, and that he's going to do whatever he needs to do to get Oregon State to the to the point that they need to be at. And I think that's really going to galvanize the fan base ahead of this matchup against Stanford. You know, you, you go back to the optimism and the world is your oyster mentality after that uh, 42-34 win over Utah back in uh, late October. And 
following these losses to Cal and Colorado. Now Oregon State's circling the wagons and really needs to get a win against Stanford this weekend uh, with, you know, the schedule obviously uh, getting uh, a little bit tougher with matchups against Arizona State and Oregon in the weeks to come. But now, Jared, that the opportunities to get win number six seemingly passed you by, and I think that's putting it nicely, the last two weeks against very winnable opponents, the Beavers need all the energy. And, like, you know, you want to talk about a get-right game, a must-win game? It's Saturday, without question. Absolutely. You know, we, talk, we talked about it, I think, against Cal and before the Colorado game, uh, just that the schedule wasn't going to get any easier if they didn't take advantage of the opportunities that they had. Unfortunately, they did not. And now you find themselves uh, in, a, in a spot where they've got to beat opponents who probably are a little bit harder to beat. Without question. And, you know, it's helpful that you got two of those games at Research Stadium where Oregon State, again, is undefeated on the year. Some home cooking is exactly what this team needs right now. But more than anything, let's talk a little bit about interim defensive coordinator Trent Bray getting uh, bumped up from uh, inside linebackers coach, getting the interim job in a three-game kind of trial run to see how Oregon State's defense responds with him at the helm. Jared, him being a former player, one of the better linebackers in Oregon State history, um, just a real tenacious, competitive personality. My first inclination, and I'm sure you've been reading the conversations on the damn board talking about this, is that I think compared to Tibisar's more laid-back demeanor, I think this might be exactly what this defense needs to kind of get things rolling again, simply for the fact that I don't think, unlike, you know, if you fired or relieved Tim Tibisar of his duties maybe two years ago or the first year. I don't think it would have mattered who you put into defensive coordinator because the Beavers were still limited by depth, talent, and other factors on defense. I think that gap has narrowed quite a bit now to where it's like, hey, a new set of eyes could greatly benefit a team that I think has more talent than they've shown the last two weeks for sure. Without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. There's definitely definitely a lot that can be said for these I mean, we know the capabilities there. We know the talents there. Um, and, you know, they've had moments this year where you're like, okay, this defense has turned a corner. Um, but like you said, getting a new fresh set of eyes, getting a new voice, you know, maybe finding a new identity can, can work wonders uh, for any position group, but certainly for a defense. Guys that like to play with a chip on their shoulder. So it, uh, it will certainly be exciting to see. I'm interested to see it, man, because again, it can go it can go either way. And with three games left uh, and three big games left, I would certainly love to see you know Coach Bray kind of step up into that role, uh, kind of relight the fire, and you know get the defense playing as good as they can. Yeah, I forget who mentioned it on the damn board, but we were talking about it uh, the other day, and someone mentioned is is Trent Bray going to be an on the field defensive coordinator as opposed to an on the uh, up in the booth. And Tim Tibisar had always been in the booth. And if I were to speculate here as we're recording this on a Thursday, I think there's a good chance that you could see Bray on the sidelines because his personality, Jared, you know, you've kind of seen this because you've watched a lot of college football as well. Sometimes some of those best coordinators on defense are those guys that are the real raw, raw, you know, let me go meet my guy at like, you know, five yards over the, you know, sideline, you know, yeah. jump up with him, give him dap, whatever it is, and kind of, you know, feel that energy with them. Do you kind of get what I'm saying there? Yeah, 100%. Like I said, those the, those guys on defense like to play with a chip on their shoulder. 
And if they can find somebody that matches that energy and, you know, do it after every big play on the field, you know, where it's not picking up a headset and saying, hey, good job. Rather, it's it's them, as you said, meeting them five yards on the field, you know, probably banging them on the shoulder pads, just exactly. getting all up in their getting excited with them. That, that, that can work wonders, man. It really can. And you do you have seen it with a lot of uh, previous defensive coordinators who now find themselves, you know, in better positions or even in head coaching coaching spots. I hate to bring this guy up, but it's one situation that, that popped into my head right away when you said that. There's a clip of Kirby Smart when he was at Alabama uh, kind of jumping up in front of Nick Saban, and, and he's obviously a really high-energy guy. Uh, and I don't believe me, I, I'm not a not not a Georgia guy myself, but you have to give credit where it's due. And, you know, he did a good job at defensive coordinator at Alabama. And he was definitely one of those guys that, you know, like we were talking about, would, would get fired up on the sidelines. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And I think Kirby Smart's a great example. You know, Bulldog, Bulldog fandom uh, aside or Bulldog hatred aside, uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a great example, Jared, because – you know, you go back to how that Alabama defense, when he was there, you could argue that was some of Alabama's best defense during Nick Saban's run. Yeah, no doubt. Now Georgia's obviously the, the team that they are, so there's uh, there's no question that uh, those guys can, can have some power for sure. And this, this is more of an observation, not a criticism from me, just on the coordinators themselves. And it's, I think, as you mentioned, with that example there, and I think there have been uh, other examples, too, even at Oregon State and plenty of other conferences where in a time like this where a change is made on as a coordinator perspective, that offense or defense the following week can really, you know, have the bounce back, have the response, have, you know, uh, uh, like, wow, where's that performance been kind of a performance. And I think just from what I've been able to see getting to know Coach Tibisar and Coach Bray over the last four years, I just think. Uh, this defense will greatly benefit from taking on the persona of Bray compared to Tibisar. And that's only just a, an observation for me in the sense that, you know, Tibisar was a little bit more of a, a laid back personality. And I think Trent Bray is one of those guys who coaches the same way he played, which is kind of with his hair on fire. You know, one of the things that always, you know, Jared uh, impressed me about Trent Bray when we would watch practices, um, you know, early in, you know, when he got to Oregon state, was, you know, Trev Bray is in his, you know, mid to late 30s, and he was wanting to race his linebackers in a 40 after every practice. <laughs> like, like that's the kind of, like, energy and rah-rah that Trent Bray can bring to his team. And, you know, for a defense that I think definitely needs that spark, Smith made the right call, I, you know, giving that interim tag to Bray as opposed to, you know, maybe um, – could, you know, Blue Adams, I suppose, could have been in contention as well with the secondary um, or, you know, any other number of potential situations. I I think Trent Bray is going to have a real, real positive impact on this group. And, you know, despite Stanford, you know, being Stanford, meaning that David Shaw and that unit and that coaching staff deserve eons of respect for what they've accomplished down there. This is a bad Stanford offense, Jared, compared to previous years in more ways than one i mean stanford let's see ninth in the pac 12 and points scored per game 11th in total offense last in rushing yards uh and then defensively they're last in the pac 12 so this is just an off stanford team despite you know the weird weird win they had against oregon which i think i can almost classify it as a weird win 
given that they've lost four straight since that game, this should be an opportunity for Oregon State's kind of new look defense to get some confidence heading into those final two games. And if it's not, you know, I, I don't think that's the met, that's that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Stanford is not the Stanford uh, that we've seen in the past. There's, there's just no way around it. They're just not. Um, but I, I, I want to watch what I say here this week, man. I really do because, you know, the past few weeks we, we've kind of been going on about, you know, it's college football, anything can happen. But I still think Oregon State's going to win this game. Uh, but I'm not going to say any of that this week, man. I just – what I want to see is the team play that that football that we, we talked about that uh, that you get when you've got a, a high-energy guy on the sidelines, um, when you've got something new to play for, um, which they've still had the bowl eligibility to play for, but now they've got somebody new kind of banging that into their heads. So I don't – I'm not going to make any predictions here. I'm not going to going to say anything about Stanford that's not fact uh, and obviously – like you mentioned, uh, the statistics show that they aren't—they aren't what they've been, and, and they aren't a team that should be Oregon State. But you know, you got to sometimes throw the the shoulds out the window, and uh, that certainly happened the past two weeks. All I know for sure is that, uh, again, it's not going to get any easier for these guys. And I, I want to see them do this. I, I believe they will. I know they will. Uh, but is it going to happen this week? Is it going to happen next week? The week after that? I'd love for them to, to win all three of the games, but we've got to see a different brand of football that we've been seeing these last, uh, you know, really the last month, uh, you know, sacrificing the, the Utah game. So a lot needs to change, and I, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing that happen uh, on Saturday. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think you hit on some great points there, and, and I, I feel the same way. You know, this coming back home, right, because we've said the last two weeks, this is a game Oregon State should win. And each Saturday afternoon the last two weeks, I felt like putting the dunce cap on and being like, well, guess I missed that mark on that one quite a bit. And so did the odds makers and just about everyone else. As we can recall, Oregon State, I think, was a 10.5-point favorite against Colorado and then a, a decent favorite against Cal as well. So you can't ever read into those kind of things. But you know, taking all that aside, Oregon State coming home, after a big like coordinator change, this is like a season-defining game, in my opinion. And that's where it's like, I'm not even going to talk about how Oregon State, you know, could, you know, not play well. That needs to be taken out of the minds because Oregon State needs this game, in my opinion, to, you know, get to six wins, then potentially set the stage for, you know, matchups that could carry some further weight as far as making it a better season against Arizona State and Oregon. Because Arizona State and Oregon are in a different class compared to Stanford as far as where they are this season, where they're going. You know, the Cardinals sitting at three and six, they would need to win out with matchups against Oregon State, California, and Notre Dame just to reach uh, the postseason. So, again, another situation where it's you're not sure quite what Stanford's playing for at this point in the season, but regardless, the Beavers just need to show up and be able to, you know, take care of their own business. And I look back to last year a little bit, you know, Oregon state played Stanford in Reister stadium last year because the Cardinal uh, could not play uh, down in Palo Alto last year due to the COVID restrictions. And that was a, that was a tough game, Jared. You're talking about two really tough games for the Beavers last year, losing uh, to Utah uh, by six and then Stanford by three in back-to-back weeks following the, uh, the win over Oregon last year. And I think that Stanford game is going to stick in these guys' minds and, you know, 
going back to, you know, what we wrote about earlier this week at beaversedge.com, it's been a long time, Jared. Did you get a chance to see when it was the last time that Oregon State beat Stanford? Oh, boy. <laughs> I, are we talk, well, this is a home game. So I remember we had a crazy stat for USC. Are we talking uh, at home or are we talking overall? Overall. Overall. Man. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to make a guess, honestly, because if I'm, if I'm overshooting it, then yeah. that could be a bad look. I'm gonna, I'll, go, I'll, I'll say something moderate in uh, 20 years. Not, that, not quite that long. So Oregon State has not beaten Stanford since 2009. They've lost 11 straight. That, that win uh, came back in Reister Stadium. There was this, uh, this guy named Jaquiz Rogers at running back for Oregon State, had his uh, career high in rushing yards that game. And, Jared, there was this other guy for the other side playing quarterback, Andrew Luck. He turned out to be pretty good for a little while, too. Absolutely, absolutely. That, that that's a good win, man. If if we're gonna, even if it is a a little bit ago, that's a that's a good team to beat for sure. So it it kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier this year, as far as like the Beavers hadn't beaten USC in a while, they hadn't beaten Washington in a while, they hadn't beaten Utah in a while. And granted, outside of USC, those wins that I just mentioned came at home. And I think this is a situation where Oregon State knows what they have in front of them, Jared. And I think after two weeks of, I don't even know quite how to describe it, but just a funk, uh, not being as focused as they need to be, maybe, you know, coaches not putting them in the right positions. I'm going to say maybe because that's why defensively, that's why there was a change made. I think this is just an opportunity for Oregon State to come out and have a crowd behind them that's going to be excited to see them play for the first time in almost a month and, you know, be able to have some success in this contest. I sure hope so. And, uh, again, I don't want to see – I don't want to make any predictions. I'm not going to say what should happen. But what I want to see happen is I want to see Oregon State get back to the the brand of football they were playing at the beginning of the year uh, where it seemed like – this was a team that was definitely going to achieve bowl eligibility by now. All that out the window. Uh, let's just close out these last three weeks strong and, and start it this week against uh, a team that, you know, hasn't been playing uh, as good as what, what we're used to playing. It certainly hasn't been playing worthy of a team that you haven't beaten in 12 years. It's certainly been a minute. And, you know, what's, what's, what's even funnier, Jared, I can remember just about – like where I was sitting. I can remember that 2009 game against Stanford as clear as day. And I remember, you know, it's kind of crazy to think how quickly, you know, time flies, but you know, it seems like just yesterday that Jaquiz Rogers was in an Oregon state uniform or just yesterday, Andrew Luck is in a Stanford uniform. But then when you realize, well, Andrew Luck went ahead, had a career and already retired. It's, it's been a minute, Jared. It's been a minute and another streak that the Beavers will be looking to uh, knock off this weekend for sure. And I, I think they can. So it's it's uh, it's going to be a fun one to watch. Uh, I, I sure hope that they prove us right. Um, <laughs> again, you'll have to check all the predictions tomorrow to, to really see what we're going to predict. I'm kind of in the middle right now. It's funny because <laughs> I feel bad. I kick myself for this. We, we've predicted a lot of Oregon State wins uh, on our on our predictions, and the one time I didn't, they won. So, so I'm like, what do I do here? I don't, I don't really know. I don't really know how to, to go into this. Yeah, no, it's it's absolutely true, and you know, it's truthfully to the thing where 
at least for me anyway. And, you know, you're you and have your kind of how you come to your predictions and whatnot. For me, it's been straight up where I've thought up until this point, Oregon State's had a chance to win every game. They've had a chance to lose every game except for Idaho and Hawaii, probably, in my opinion. But they've had a chance to win every game. And that's why even still, it's like I've had no problem predicting the Beavers to win because, you know, it's not homerism. Because Oregon State's been in it just about every game they've played this year. And I expect that to kind of be the case throughout because that's just how competitive the Pac-12 is. And, you know, again, this weekend, Oregon State taking on Stanford, 2.30 p.m. Bit of Jared, I got to ask you this real quick. Have you ever seen a 2.30 kickoff time? Uh, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. In 25 years of being on this planet, I guess 20 years of probably being coherent and remembering, I've never seen a kickoff time at 2.30 p.m. I'm not going to complain as a media member because that's pretty great. The 2.30 kickoff time is ideal. A little bit of time to get down there in the morning and a little bit of time afterwards before, you know, it starts to get too late into the evening, you know, compared to an Arizona State game the following week that's going to be a little Pac-12 after dark matchup. But yeah, 2.30 was just very, very bizarre to me. I had never seen it before. I've never seen it either. Well, it's so it's hard to say. Like I... Uh, one of the teams I keep up with is is Minnesota, and they're on Central Time, and obviously mm. yeah, I'm on Eastern Time. So a lot of times, like three thirty kickoffs, kind of normal. And so for that reason, when it's three thirty Eastern Time, and it, it goes to two thirty Central, uh, and then as as in this case, it's five thirty my time, and I dang sure haven't ever seen a five thirty kickoff. So it's an interesting time of the day for y'all to be starting down here for sure. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I'm like, have you ever seen the Beavers kick off in prime time, your time, which is, which is I'm like, I'm sure it's happened. I mean, you know, Utah a couple weeks ago, I think was a 430. You, uh, let's see, there were a couple this year. I mean, Oregon State's been on the beneficiary of not a lot of super late kickoffs or anything like that this year. So fans got to be happy with that for sure. Um, but yeah, again, 2.30 p.m. Reister Stadium, Pac-12 Network on Saturday. Beavers and Cardinal, Oregon State, still searching for that sixth win. We'll see if they're able to get over the hump next week. And uh, go ahead and transitioning along, just because we got a couple other things we got to cover here at BeaversEdge.com. Uh, make sure to stay tuned for all the coverage we'll have leading up to the Stanford game. Uh, we'll obviously have complete recruiting coverage. We'll have uh, visitor lists as soon as they come into us. Uh, starters as recruits, uh, plenty of other co- uh, recruiting content. In addition to the injury report, our staff predictions, you'll hear what Jared and I think. But I want to transition real quick and give a little bit of love to the men's and women's basketball teams at Oregon State that are uh, kicking off their, or rather the men have kicked off their season, the women uh, are kicking off their season uh, a little bit later this week. Jared, just after last year, and you know, they, we'll start with the uh, Oregon State men's basketball team. They uh, beat Portland State to start off the season 1-0. Just kind of going back to last year, Jared, a lot of the team, minus Ethan Thompson, uh, is back uh, this year, and they look deeper, more talented. And I think this could be a, a fun year for the group. You know, you and I had a lot of fun doing podcasts with this team as they kind of made their March Madness run, and I'm really hoping we get another exciting year from that group. Yeah, and, you know, who would have ever saw it coming? So it's it's always hard to judge a team by how they play right at the beginning of the year. I was see the men's team off to a good start hopefully the the women's team can follow suit as well it was a little it was a little treacherous at first you know Oregon State I think I believe trailed uh, Portland State at halftime Portland State gave them a good game you know I got to give the Vikings some credit 
And uh, just because, you know, local team obviously uh, going to give the Beavers tough, but Oregon State remained undefeated uh, against the Vikings, pushing their record to 16-0. and And the Oregon State women, uh, you can obviously check out beaversedge.com. We had uh, interviews uh, from yesterday with head coach Scott Ruick and uh, a couple of the new transfers that came in just kind of previewing their season start uh, facing Loyola Marymount at Gill Coliseum on Friday at 8 o'clock. They'll be looking to uh, obviously return to the postseason and, you know, get back to what we've seen this team's ceiling be under Scott Ruick. I think this is one of his deepest and more talented teams that he's ever had. So that's going to lead to, you know, some exciting play this year. And uh, they obviously uh, got their exhibition win this last weekend, 73-43 over Western Washington. So, Jared, overall, it seems like the vibes are going to be really good for basketball this year. You, know, you got a, a men's team that's continuing to kind of be on the rise and maybe trying to crack into being an NCAA tournament regular if they can. And then a women's team that, you know, back to full health uh, is going to get back to, you know, the really elite play that we've seen being a, a deep tournament team each year. Yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of good news coming out of both of those camps, obviously, again, with the, the, the men's team playing the way they did last year and then the women's team just just inking that really good signing class so I'm expecting I'm expecting some good things for sure yeah I, I'm sure that caught your eye Jared and, and thank you for bringing that up because I did want to go ahead and mention that as well Oregon State signs the highest rated class in school history Jared is that good just just tell me is that good oh <laughs> uh, yes <laughs> I mean for we've seen now over an extended period of time you know Scott Rooks had Great players come through here. I mean, you're talking Sidney Weiss, Jamie Weisner, uh, Ruth Hamblin, Marie Gulich, uh, you know, Katie McWilliams, so on and so forth. Many others that I am not mentioning. Michaela Pivik, you know, I, I could go on forever. You know, he's had some really great girls come through this program. But for now, Jared, for you to sign the highest rated class comes in number three ESPN rankings as, uh, you know, they, they have kind of the, the, the hoops, the hoop girl rankings kind of dialed in. How impressive is that? for a, a team that, you know, has been really good the last few years, but to have a class that you're like, wow, okay, this is like elite of elite. Like Oregon State's been really good, but this is like almost, it almost shatters the glass ceiling a little bit. Yeah. It's like, it reminds me of uh, kind of like watching Duke recruit. Mm. Seems like those guys just like, uh, especially the year with like Zion and RJ Barrett and everything. It's yep. like, oh, who are who's these guys not getting? And it's kind of the same way for Oregon State in this this class for sure. And you know, you talk about that's almost a firepower that they're going to need. You know, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that there were several other Pac-12 schools that uh, you know made the top ten. The Pac-12 dominated you know the the rankings this year, and you know it's it's uh, meaning for 2022, of course, as these uh, uh, this group will join next year. But that's just the Pac-12. It is the best women's basketball conference in, in the country from top to bottom. And I think we see that play out with, you know, teams that just are really, really good. There's just, you know, it, it's as, as good as it gets for, you know, women's college basketball. And I think Oregon State's going to need all the firepower they can get to compete and obviously get back to, you know, deep NCAA tournament runs, potentially Final Four again, and, you know, everything that that program is hoping to achieve. So, Lots of good vibes going around the basketball programs right now as with Scott Ruick uh, kicking off his season, signing a big-time recruiting class. Wayne Tinkle starting the year 1-0. and uh, They're going on the road. The men are going to be playing uh, Iowa State uh, coming up uh, on Friday. 
Jared, there's a couple big time non-conference games coming up for the men's team. And, you know, I'm just curious, how much do you think that can do to kind of build their tournament credibility earlier in the year? Because I see a game against Iowa State coming up on Friday and a game against Tulsa uh, on Monday. Previously, those have been tournament teams. I think that's a really good resume builder early in the season. Yeah, it is. It, it can be slippery too, though. You got to make sure you handle business against some people like that. I mean, obviously, you have a whole season to prove yourself if if it goes the wrong way. But you know, you really want to. Sorry, sorry, Bahado. You really want to make sure that you handle business uh, if you have the opportunity. So. It's all right. I, I think uh, I think Jared's dog is uh, ready for us to go ahead and uh, wrap up the podcast. But just wanted to go ahead and give some 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 good love to the men's and women's basketball teams as they're kicking off. Obviously, it's a a busy time of the year for us at Beaver's Edge as football is getting down in the nitty gritty. We got signing day coming up uh, December fifteenth, just right around the corner, and obviously basketball. Uh, kicking off the season there's a lot of excitement for the men's and women's teams for all the reasons we've mentioned but particularly uh you know more so some excitement optimism on the men's side obviously beaver fans know what the ceiling uh and and what the program's expectations are on the women's side as they've kind of established themselves i'm very curious to see this year kind of with crowd support back in gill coliseum how excited uh, fans are going to be to kind of support Wayne Tinkle and this group after that big time run last year. So lots of good things going on in Corvallis. And again, Oregon State will face Stanford on Saturday at 2.30 p.m. Make sure to stay tuned to beaversedge.com for complete coverage uh, of that matchup. As we mentioned, Jared will have all the recruiting coverage leading into that. I'll have all the team content. Make sure to stay tuned for our staff predictions and everything else at beaversedge.com. And if you want to get in on the action, you can join beaversedge.com free for 30 days. Just head on over to our main landing page and sign up free for 30 days, risk-free. So we want to go ahead and wrap up this edition of the podcast. Thanks a bunch to Jared Hollis uh, for joining me to kind of break down the change in defensive coordinator, what's going to be coming up next with Stanford while also diving in uh, to the basketball programs. Jared, it's going to be a really exciting weekend uh, for Oregon State with a lot on the line again. Appreciate uh, you jumping on with me again. Yeah, you got to make sure we give a shout out to the dog too for for making his special. <laughs> um, thanks, thanks everyone for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll have some more good stuff to talk about next week. Well said, my friend. Couldn't have said it better myself. Again, make sure to check back next week as we'll be breaking down the Stanford contest, updating you on what's going on with the men's and women's basketball teams, and looking ahead to Senior Day next weekend against Arizona State. It's already coming up quick. Oregon State's final home, final two home games of the season are on deck coming up. Make sure to keep it locked to beaversedge.com.